If you're going to learn anything from this podcast, the key to winterizer fertilizer is applying it when the lawn is frozen. Hmm. <laughs> One, two, three, the lawn tea. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Lawn Feed Podcast. Not only do we talk things about lawn care, but we also talk about dad things and parent things and how incredible it is to be a parent, um, and also while looking good and comfortable in incredible lawn swag um, on our website, uh, thelawnfeed.com, um, to compliment all of our awesome-looking lawns. Uh, with me, as always, is Vince with Rooted Lawn Co., and Andrew with the Dad Bod Lawn. Um, if you if your lawn is struggling, regardless of where you're at in your journey, you just want to kind of take things to the next level. And uh, we haven't answered a question that we haven't answered to you effectively. Uh, drop a comment and below whatever platform you're watching this on, um, and we'll make sure to get an answer to you. Um, no doubt. Um, as the seasons are kind of wrapping up for us, cool season lawns, winter um, is right around the corner, uh, which means winterizer uh, is a term we like to throw around um, for lawn treatments at the end of the year uh, when our lawns are effectively about to go dormant. But there's a whole bunch of other things that winterizing could apply to, equipment included, um, so on and so forth. Um, so, Andrew, uh, before we really, you know, get into the good and the meat and potatoes of this stuff, um, what are some ways that we can prep around the house and the equipment for winterization? Um, and and if I should start, let's start with some of your dad's wins and losses before we get right into it. Sure. So both of mine actually come from today. Uh, leaves are falling in my backyard and I was out there with the kids today picking up leaves and the last pile we had was a big one and I just let them jump in there and, you know, do what they wanted to for a good 20, 30 minutes. They just had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Beautiful day here in Michigan for November. Um, so that was, that was a win. Um, always enjoy having them out there with me doing stuff. Uh, then immediately after I went inside and they want to do some painting and I don't do well with the arts and crafts and the mess and the paint and flinging stuff everywhere. And so I was asked by, by my wife to sit there with him and help my two-year-old do his painting. Um, and of course, he is getting it all over everything, mixing colors, get way too much water on everything and off onto the table and whatnot. And that just, that grinds my gears. I have trouble with it. My wife would just see my face just like getting redder and redder. And she would just go, Andrew. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, just, all right, it's going to be okay. But uh, I'd say that was my loss. Uh, but uh, it was a good day all in all at home with the family. So um, on to the whole winterization part, kind of ironic that we're talking about this today. Um, I'm focusing more on the, the water and liquid side of things uh, right now. And so that includes your sprinkler system for underground sprinklers. And I just had my sprinkler system blown out today. Um, it's possible to do it by yourself if you have a nice air compressor. I suggest having a nice large one because those little pancake ones are not going to cut it. You'll spend 45 minutes trying to blow out four or five zones. I did that my first year in the house. Um, and now I actually have a guy that comes over with a big, you know, truck unit. And uh, we just run that thing for 15 minutes or so and get it all done. So I did that today. Um, if you're going to do it yourself, 
do not exceed 50 PSI when you blow out your sprinklers. Um, if you have any questions on how to do it, um, it doesn't hurt in your first year to have somebody come over and do it for you. And if you want to do it the following year, just make sure you pay attention to what they're doing um, and how to do it. And so how to do it properly. Um, you can, like I said, you can call a company, you can do it yourself. Uh, just make sure when you're doing that, you don't you no longer see any water coming out. You want to see nothing but air um, and you can move on to the next zone. Once all your zones are done, you're good for the year. Uh, this will just help you prevent any broken sprinkler heads, cracked pipes, valves, all that kind of stuff that you don't want to have to tear your lawn up the following year, right? So um, the next thing is hoses. Uh, you know, we're at a point where you really don't need hoses. So you can start to disconnect those from your house, uh, use gravity and make sure all those get emptied out. A good place to store those are either in your garage, basement, a shed. Um, sometimes putting them in a bin or something is help helps organize them so they don't get all over the place because those things just like to come unraveled. Uh, your hose bibs, or I like to call it a spigot. Um, some houses have like shutoffs on the inside of your house. So you can turn actually turn those off. Uh, that's a good little feature. But if you're like myself, I don't have that. Um, you can put little covers over your spigot or hose bib. And I got them for like $4 at a big box store last year. I don't know if they honestly help with insulation, help freezing of your hose bib or not. But for $4, I guess it doesn't hurt. Maybe you get some of that. Hose bib? What is that? Hose bib? Hose bib? Hose bib? Where, where are you hose from, bib? boy? I like I said I call it spigots. I'm gonna call it a spigot, okay? A hose spigot. Um so I maybe you get some some of the heat radiating off the house that'll actually help insulate um inside that thing. I don't know. Um but for four dollars, I have two spigots on the outside of my house, so I do it. I think um, it kind of depends on what you know how old your house is and or how new your house is too and the right. of it too, right? So there's right. a whole different spectrum on those things. And but. if you have if you have the the shut off on the inside of your house you can certainly do that and you're probably going to be fine. And I know some of the newer houses, um, they are designed to not freeze anyways. Um, but if you have any question whether what kind you have or not, but for four or five bucks is buy those little covers. It's not going to hurt, um, especially if you're as far north as Chris and I up in Michigan and Minnesota. I don't know if Vince really has to worry about that too much where he is in Pennsylvania. But uh, Oh, she gets cold. She's <laughs> not for weeks at a time like us, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's not like that, but hey, Chris I don't know. is in Canada, so right, pretty much. Might as well be. So while we're still talking about the whole liquid side of things, um, if you're like myself, I have a stockpile of like liquid fertilizer and liquid products that I keep out in my garage. Mm. Uh, I don't, I don't know. My garage is insulated, but it still gets really cold in there in the winter. So um, I was actually just looking at some bottles today, and it says to store at room temperature. Um, so that to me is like 60 to 75 degrees. So if you can bring them inside, bring them down to a basement, if you have a closet in place to store them, that's good. Um, I think last year, what I did is I actually put it right up against my house and my garage on a top shelf. Cause you know, heat rises, maybe some heat radiating off the, my actual house. Cause I have a attached garage. Smart. Um, so yeah, you know, I tried to use physics and come into play there. So I had no issues with it. You just definitely want to avoid the freezing um, of that. So, uh, what are what are the effects of a frozen liquid fertilizer for those who don't know? I you know I don't know. That's a good Do question. Know? Like, does the efficacy just like completely diminish? Right. Know. 
might be a follow-up question we have to look into. I think we um, should look into that. And I think if uh, fellow listeners listening to this, they should share their wisdom. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, one last thing, if you're going to store your liquid products inside of your house, just make sure they're out of reach of your kids and your pets. Uh, you don't want to have to call poison control uh, because they thought it right was there. a big dad loss right there. If that happened, <laughs> that, that would be a heck of a dad loss. And I don't want to have to talk about that. So yeah, I'm no definitely going control. to avoid that. But yeah, um, so Vince, what, 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 now that we kind of talked about liquids and fluids, uh, what about the whole like motor, mower, power equipment kind of stuff? Oh, mowers and power equipment. Oh, so oh, let's oh, talk oh. about batteries. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Which we will. We will get to that. But yeah, uh, you know, historically, I don't winterize my mower. Um, I just kind of slips past me and I get done with the last mow and I put it in the garage and come spring, I give her a pool and she starts right up. So not, e- not even like anything in the gas tank. Nothing. No, no, just, yeah. You're waiting it. Mr. I, Lucky. It, it's, it's been great. It's been great. But, uh, I think this year I am going to look into something cause I'm going to store it in my shed, uh, versus my garage, which could be a, a changing factor or something. So, um, I know a lot of people will, um, add some oil to, or some fuel stabilizer to their mowers. The process behind that is you would empty either mow your lawn, run it dry. Uh, that gives you a good excuse to mow for an extended period of time. Uh, unless you have a time master, then you still are finishing Just do your normal you, mow, you, you yeah. do your normal mow. Yeah. Um, but run it dry. If you can't run it dry, you can undo the fuel filter and drain it out in a designated uh, location in another gas tank. And then you can put it in your car or something or your generators or whatnot, or your snowblower. But after that's uh, all emptied out, fill it up with some fresh gas, put the fuel stabilizer in it, and you'll be good to go for the winter. Uh, also, some people will like uh, do some fall maintenance of cleaning their deck out, um, changing the oil, if you have any types of like battery equipment, um, bring your battery equipment inside. Um, it makes, makes winterizing your equipment pretty easy. There's, there's no oil, no, no fumes, no mess, you know, Not much so, there. this is an Not advertisement, for advertisement yeah. equipment. uh, so yeah, just, it's, it's literally just take them out and put them inside and keep them over winter. Um, you know, also, I was actually curious about that today. So I looked some stuff up about like, what do you do? Do you literally just take your batteries inside or do you charge them? Do you not charge them? And what I gathered is basically read your manuals by each company kind of has their own recommendations based on what brand that you're using. Some of them say charge it to full power, disconnect it, bring it inside. Um, anywhere between like 40 and 80 degrees is where the batteries are most stable. That way it's got the longer life in the long run. And um, don't put it on metal. You want to have it on something soft um, uh, like wood is good. Nothing that's going to be able to attract a current. Um, but uh, some of them say actually like reduce the charge down to 40, 50% and then store them. And mm-hmm. some of them recommend actually like half, you know, after a little period of time, charging up to a hundred and then putting it back. So it's not quite like a trickle charge, but you know, just like kind of 
giving it a little something something to get it through the next few months so the battery does better and has a longer you know life so yeah i thought that was interesting with everybody going to battery powered stuff i was like i don't even know how to properly store my battery powered stuff so maybe i should look at it that's good to know because batteries aren't cheap either so if you no, want to uh... run it dead and have to get a new one i mean that's well yeah, that's actually one thing it. they recommend not doing is you don't want to run it all the way down to nothing and then charge it to 100 percent. that's actually not the best thing for it like once it gets down to like 40 percent, you want to then charge it so Hmm. thought that was interesting but read your manuals for whatever brand you're using so it's a whole new world isn't it so so vince you know earlier you mentioned that there was uh, you, you know you haven't winterized kind of your mower at all right um and, and andrew i know that you do this pretty much on an annual regimen um so, so speaking of fuel stabilizers or uh fuel additives or anything like that um you, you know what what is your take why you do it you know spe- specifically right um, you, you know, I've heard of a lot of, of, of things that are out there. I know Stable is a good, uh, you know, brand that's out there. They got a lot of uh, lines out for for what they have for this particular thing. Um, but but why why do you, you know, why do you do it every year? What success have you seen from it? So I do it every year just because you know when I bought a house seven years ago now. You know, I, I never really owned a lot of this equipment, so I looked up what to do and how to do it properly. And that's just what I've always known. Um, that's what my dad told me to do when I reached out to him for advice. Um, and a Stable is like the one brand that I think everybody reaches for because it's like the most common you're going to find. Um, so usually kind of my regimen every year is um, I like to change my oil at the end of the season if I haven't done it since the beginning of the season. Um and I don't always do that, but that's another thing that I sometimes do. Um, and then uh, I check my air filter and stuff like that. Um, I clean the deck. Um, I sometimes sharpen the, like, actually, I sharpened my blades midwinter last year because I wanted something to do. So I actually took my blades off and put them in the garage because I was like, you know, I was having the winter blues. So I sharpened my blades in the middle of winter. But uh, By hand. You're just in there with a the hand. I did. I did. <laughs> actually, I last year I used a, I used a file because I didn't have an angle grinder. I got one this year. It's funny that you said that because that's, <laughs> that's a real thing. Um, so basically, I, I do everything so that, like, as soon as spring hits right out of the gate, my mower is ready to go. And uh, so that's just how I've always done it and how I was kind of told to do it by my father, who I looked to for advice. So, yeah, I mean, I've right had on. no issues. I was like first or second pull every year, fresh out of the shed. So, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And I know there's some like Vince, you already mentioned some some other, you know, you know, alternatives, right? Run the tank dry. Um, you know, obviously you can do non-ethanol fuel, like those types of things as, as well to kind of help out, you know, kind of remedy, you know, what leaving fuel in a tank without anything in it does um etc but yeah do it works do it works for you and and, and kind of move on switching mm-hmm. gears to to you know the the fertilizer side of the winterizing right so we hear a lot about it there is a ton of marketing on winterizing for winterizer fertilizer um to kind of throw down at like the you know it's titled winterizer but kind of like late fall those types of things from your experience scam not a scam your thoughts vince go rapid fire um i think it's a i don't think it's a scam i think it's a misinformation or misleading to the consumer how come well there's a lot of specifics as to when you should put down fertilizer uh how much you should put down it, uh when you're putting down um if you're putting down on frozen soil 
Um, yeah, I just think the term winterizer shouldn't necessarily be winterizer because it should be more of a late fall feeding if you're going to feed at all. Andrew, how about you? No, I agree. I think winterizer is kind of just a way to remind the average consumer who doesn't really know a whole lot, like, hey, it's maybe time to consider putting down your last application. Um, some brands actually call them fall fertilizers or it's like step four in a four-step pro program too. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think those products, all they really mean is they have a decent amount of nitrogen and then potassium because usually well, none of them have phosphorus. If they do, it's barely any because the nitrogen and the phosphorus is what you want going into winter, right? Um, they can store the carbohydrates and then in the springtime, carbs. Out. Carbs. <laughs> if anybody likes to carb load, it's this guy, right? Bod. <laughs> but <laughs> so I like to carb load my grass just like I like to carb load the dad bods. So, um, and then that phosphorus or that, that potassium, excuse me, just really helps with the winter stress and coming out of that. So I think it's, it's not a scam, but I think it's like you said, it should be called a late fall application because you definitely want to put it down as your grass is still growing slightly because you, you probably don't want to do it to dormant non-growing grass. You, you, you want to try to time it kind of at the end of that, right? So that it can uptake that, but. I don't so know. what you're so what you're saying is is you shouldn't apply winterizer fertilizer in winter when your ground is frozen. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Contrary to popular belief, you shouldn't apply winterizer yeah. when your ground is frozen. So let's officially change the title from winterizer to late fall application marketing people. This is like a you could be like a a disruptor in the marketplace. Just it, it's a little bit more text on the bag, but instant we're street cred too. Instant we're on to something we're on to something um so so yeah when when should we actually apply your quote-unquote winterizer late fall application in the four-step program it's your last one right so the, that fourth bag um you know there's a lot of extension you know studies out here that that have studied this for years and years and years and years um and and most of the experts agree that late fall fertilization uh, should take place when the when the foliar growth is effectively stops or slows to the point where turf is no no longer needing to be mowed the grass is still green but before the ground is actually frozen right so there's there's a lot of moving parts in there um but we we want to get it in and, and and kind of water that in and, and all of those things before that ground is actually frozen right and that obviously takes place at different times of the year uh depending on where you're at and this is where i always 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 talk about soil temperatures because that is a very very important thing to look at so it's not necessarily the air temps it's not necessarily the extended forecast or anything like that well it is but it's not air temps it's soil temps right so that that's that's kind of you know where these guys were 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 getting at it's you know sarcasm aside don't be too late because you might be more you know doing a little bit more damage than good right so Vince, you know so, some benefits some cons those types of things i'll let you kind of dig into that and um i know you got some stuff on 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 this this is kind of your jam so yeah it's a lot of information which we're not going to dive into totally right. all of it but you know a couple uh, benefits that some studies have said and some extensions, like you mentioned, um, you're, you're not going to have as much top growth during this time. So when you're feeding, you're actually going to be starting to improve your root growth. 
Um, some studies showed that it's it's a small amount of root growth, but hey, any root growth is good root growth, right? Root and long co. Um, so get your roots right. Um, you're going to have a, a quicker spring green up if you give your, your lawn a nice um, uh, late fall fertilization as well. And lastly, you could potentially reduce some of the winter diseases um, in the lawn. Like Andrew mentioned, you have some potassium. You don't have to go hog wild with the potassium because uh, that could, depending on your grass type, could actually lead to like snow mold and some other diseases The contrary to, you know, potassium helps with uh with with disease resistance but um a little a, a nice application at the end of the year will also help with uh, diseases if you're one of those organic organic fert guys um organics are pretty popular now the ship is probably already sailed for you guys to be putting this yeah. down uh and the reason behind that if you don't know how organic fertilizers are basically converted into plant food you should take a look at that because in in a nutshell you need a couple of things but two two main things is you need heat and you need micro microbial activity um which is more active during warmer periods so if you don't have two of those your fertilizer is just going to sit there and that's not good you potentially just wasting your money when you're when you're applying fertilizer um, an organic fertilizer at the end of the year uh, I was talking to a good buddy, Rob from Turf Therapy. Uh, he actually yeah. put out a video on this. So you should go take a look at him, uh, Turf Therapy. Uh, but he was telling me uh, using organic fertilizers and cooler temps is essentially like a dormant fertilization. Uh, is essentially like a dormant fertilization. Is fertilization a word? Sure, you just made it. Made I it made it up. Not... I, I like it. Oh, We're yeah. going to roll with it. But anyway, it can cause like these unhealthy surges of growth in the spring. And late summer, so you have this big surge because you just applied fer organic fertilizer in the in the late fall, uh, but then you also put down another application because you need to get your spring application down. So now you just double hammer down, uh, throw down organic fert everywhere, um, and you're just going to have this insane amount of growth that it's going to be hard to keep up with, and it's actually not good for the turf because you're probably breaking that one third rule, um, and it's just a big old, big old chasm of bad events that you shouldn't be doing so that could that could be the same you know said the same for really all fertilizers right yeah it, you know when when you get to a certain point in in temperature um the the drunken scanis to our in the middle of andrew and i uh did a study <laughs> on this and uh it, it was actually kind of eye-opening for me where it's like the like you got to a certain point in the fall where like the uptake of the fertilizer just kind of drained into the soil or drained is not the right term, but like leach, it leach. just, it, yeah, leach just right into the soil and like the plant, it didn't actually get into the plant. Right. So it, and, and the later that it goes, the drop off is so sharp um, where it, it just doesn't become as effective as it, as it could. Thus waste of money, waste well, of fertilizer, leaching into groundwater and stuff you yep. want to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, oh, this really, really good points. Yeah. So hindsight, if you're, if you're getting late into the season and you want to do a late fall application of fertilizer, go for a more soluble, um, or like a quick release, like an AMS or urea, uh, in the late fall that that's, that's going to be best. Don't, I shouldn't say don't, but try and avoid like a heavy, heavy application as well. A lot of people will spoon feed their lawn towards the end of the year. Um, I know 
you can do like a four step program where you're kind of loading up those carbs and stuff. But uh, again, a lot of studies out there are saying that uh, a quick release nitrogen could be or is uh, best practice right now. And as we mentioned before, any nitrogen that's not used by the plant will either remain in the soil or it could potentially leach out during the winter. There's a lot that we can hit. There's a lot more that we can talk about on this whole winterizing fertilization process, but that's all we're going to get into tonight. If you have any good studies, if you have any good points, always leave us a comment below. Uh, as for Andrew, Chris, and myself, we are the Lawn Feed. We appreciate you. And by the way, Brad15 saves you 15% at the lawnfeed.com merch store. We'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Yeah.